0: Hey everybody, I'm your host and historian Felix Gibson, and welcome to my Phenomenal History Podcast. Today we will be covering topics about the Wet'suwet'en pipeline protest and its relation between environmental and economic factors, as well as the Indigenous rights. Throughout the podcast, I will be utilizing a historical perspective, as well as using continuity and change to better our understanding of the topic. Today's podcast is short, but very detailed, so buckle your seatbelts and get ready for an exciting one. To start off our first segment, I will be explaining everything you need to know about the pipeline, the Wet'suwet'en community, and the protests that occurred as a result of the pipeline. Starting off, the Coastal GasLink pipeline was a 670 kilometer crude oil pipeline that was being constructed by TC Energy. It was initiated in early January of 2020 and was being constructed in northwestern B.C. The pipeline became very controversial after it was approved to travel through a Wet'suwet'en indigenous reserve towards Kitimat, where the gas would later be shipped to Asian customers. It was a significant economic opportunity for Canada. However, it was also an opportunity for Canada to show they cared about indigenous rights and the environment. Next up, I'll be speaking about the Wet'suwet'en indigenous people. Starting off, there are two key groups that a political party in Indigenous reserves. They are the hereditary chiefs and the band council. Firstly, hereditary chiefs have the authority to control and make decisions about the law in the reserve, while on the other hand, the band council controls the territory in their own reserves. This system of governing in the reserves for the Indigenous was created in 1876 after the Indian Act was published. This shows that the Indian Act still affects the Indigenous people even 150 years later in 2020. This is one of the reasons as to why the Indian Act is so significant in Canadian history. This example of continuity and change highlights how the past can still be similar to the present day. Five of the six band councils in the Wet'suwet'en Nation have signed agreement with the pipeline. After controversy with regard to the pipeline and indigenous rights, as well as environmental reasons, all led to anti-pipeline protests in support of hereditary chiefs. These protests have halted train routes, ferry ports, and busy intersections across the country since late last week. The protests that have occurred are very significant as they show that the indigenous people are not afraid to speak up for their rights, even if they have to risk their life to do it. These protests show that the Canadian government, that the Indigenous people want the rights and they will get the rights at any cost. Starting off our second segment, I'm going to discuss with you about the relationship between the environment, economy, and Indigenous rights in this conflict. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau quotes, this is a critical moment for our country and our future. We can't solve these problems on the margins. That is not a way forward. Shortly after Justin Trudeau's speech, Conservative leader Stephen Harper quotes, the weakest response to a national crisis in Canadian history. Standing between our country and prosperity is a small group of activists who won't rest until our oil and gas industry is entirely shut down. How do these quotes display the relationship between the economy, environment, and indigenous rights? We can see that Justin Trudeau cares about the indigenous rights and the environmental factors. While someone like Stephen, Harper seems to only care about the Canadian economy and not Indigenous rights or environmental factors. Despite both parties, the Indigenous peoples would obviously care about Indigenous rights as well as the environment. These three different viewpoints affect the perspective of many people around Canada and influence how people perceive the protest. Through the utilization of a historical perspective, if you were posed with a decision about what to do with the protesters, what would you decide to do? Whilst I respect the Indigenous people and their rights to land, if I was Prime Minister, I would personally not support the Indigenous, because I think it would support them even more if I didn't support them. And I will get to this in a few seconds. I would do this for reasons including the economy as well as Indigenous rights. The first reason I would do this is because of the economy. The crude oil pipeline by TC Energy means a chance to create jobs, increase Canadian exports, as well as convenience and safety for traveling of the oil. I specifically say convenience and safety because the oil is going to be exported by TC Energy anyway. So why would I risk an oil spill on the road, making TC or make TC Energy have to use trucks, just making it less convenient for the company? The second reason is to help the indigenous people. I say helping the indigenous people because the, because most of the indigenous band councils did actually want a pipeline. If a pipeline were to be built through their land, it means that the land water would be undrinkable. Thus, the indigenous people living there would receive funds for water that they previously didn't have. While many say having undrinkable water is not fair, the indigenous people, Many Indigenous reserves are struggling with water, so receiving free funds is a major bonus for the Indigenous people. If you've made it this far into the podcast, all I can say is thanks for listening. Okay, so after listening to the episode number one, we can determine everything there is to know about the Wet's Pipeline, Hereditary Chiefs and Band Councils, how the Indian Act still affects our society, And we learned about the relationship between environmental, economic, and indigenous rights factors. Sadly, despite countless protests in support of the Wet'suwet'en tribe, construction of the pipeline is still underway.